This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. And I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, at Lawyer Liz on Twitter. And while I am an attorney with the Atlanta office of Hall Booth Smith, Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz is not legal advice. If you need a lawyer, hire one. Instead, it's a weekly look at the buzz surrounding drones, autonomous vehicles, Internet of Things, and all of the technology in between. So welcome, and we're kicking off today's second part of a three-part look at technology and its impact on campaigns and elections with the Internet of Things There's a lot going on that really creates a new world order, so to speak, when it comes to politics. Because when your campaign can inadvertently, uh, two hours before the debate starts, congratulate uh, your candidate for winning the debate uh, and well-played to the GOP for the follow-up response after the debate, saying, see, we told you, uh, which from a PR and marketing standpoint, I'd say is exactly how you have to handle that and pray during the debate that your candidate does indeed live up to the high expectations. But when you have all of that, and then we're getting bombarded almost daily with news stories of this cell phone, this laptop, this campaign have all been hacked, leaked, breached, whatever you want to call it, when your information allegedly is getting released that you didn't intend to have released. Or in other cases, your information is being manipulated in a way that throws you off your game or impacts your strategy, it's worth taking a look. So last week, we welcomed Ryan English from Lansing Tactical to share thoughts on what happens from a logistic and a safety standpoint when you have a candidate that is high level, low level, if they are looking to have an event and meet and greet, grip and grin in an open field at the county fair, well, the game changes when you have drones and you have uh, every car has a Wi-Fi hotspot and can be a potential uh, attack surface, so to speak, be it a physical or information data attack. So we If you didn't get a chance to listen in to last week's episode, find it online, americaswebradio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or out there, listen in. So the natural progression, though, is once you've established what's needed to protect the physical uh, reputation and safety of the candidate and the campaign, Well, what do you do when, if you believe the various media outlets, someone has infiltrated your systems and 
broken into your cell phones and or otherwise released information data that you weren't ready to have happen. So we're welcoming back a friend of Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz show, Stephen Fleming. And Stephen, as I always struggle to find the best way to really encompass your areas of expertise, but as a an academic of technology issues and a longtime tinkerer and entrepreneur and supporter of the startup innovation community. I mean, you've had your fingers in just about every aspect of this. I know a little about a lot of things. Exactly. I don't know much about anything, but I know a little about a lot of things. Well, then you're in good company. (laughs) So welcome back. Let's appreciate it. And when we were talking about where the thoughts were on all the different so I mean there was almost too many stories to pick from right well it's it this has certainly been a different election year than before um, the fundamentals haven't changed I mean this isn't new uh, there were, were a couple of folks who got fined a thousand bucks a piece uh, 20 years ago back in 1996 for hacking into Newt Gingrich's cell phone uh, so the 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 the, the the, the motivation for getting information that your adversary doesn't want you to have is still there. I think what's different now is everything's online, everything is connected to the internet, and everything is happening so much faster. Um, and I think the entire Watergate scandal would be over in about four days right now. <laughs> so. Well, and, and would it have been a, a little more interesting information, or do you think that it would have played out the same but just faster? Well, you know, let's 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 say if they were using modern technology and and uh, um, Nixon's secretary erased eighteen and a half minutes of tape, but it was backed up in a data center in New Jersey, then well, maybe somebody could have gotten hold of the incriminating piece of tape right when he was in office. And there are folks who would uh, question what happens when your server is in your bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. And does that change the entire you know, analysis of well? How comparing against what happened in the past and what's going on now? It yeah, I mean before um, you know to to get hold of a State Department memo, you know there, there's there's whole spy novels written about. There's the whole James Bond era. You had to get the right piece of paper out of the right file folder in the right attaché case, um, you know, while wearing gloves to not leave fingerprints. Uh, and now you know you you sit in another country somewhere and and, and hack in and take it. And I think that's one of the real concerns people have is a lot of the mindset and a lot of the the um, the history that people have around confidential information is protecting pieces of paper or protecting three by five cards or protecting um, something that you can you can know when somebody broke in, like at Watergate. You know, they they found the 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 the, uh, the duct tape on the door lock. Now there's. There's no evidence, and and you know people who are saying, well, there's no evidence that the um, uh, uh, Senator Clinton's email server was ever hacked. Well, a good hacker doesn't leave any evidence. I was going to say there is no digital duct tape. Right, there's no digital duct tape, um, and so you know we don't know who has copies of those thirty thousand deleted emails. Um, you know she claims that she doesn't, and I have no reason to, to suspect she's lying. But if Russian intelligence services are Chinese or Iranian or you know, pick a country, um, have copies of those. 
what does that mean in terms of potential blackmail, in terms of potential access to information they shouldn't have, in terms of potentially putting um, people in service at risk? Uh, and we just don't know because there's no there's no digital duct tape. There's no there's no fingerprints. Well, one of the things we highlighted in the discussion last week with Ryan was the it's not just the damaging information because it shows your strategy, but a lot of the campaign and candidacies are built on your reputation, your perception. Mm-hmm. And I found it striking, and Ryan pointed out that uh, her security detail uh, on the September 11th memorial service that when uh, – Secretary Clinton started to have a fainting spell or you know, later found out it was the flu, but her team really circled around her to minimize the amount of video right. that could be captured. And he said that is what he instructs his teams to do every time. But it, it struck me when some of the documents that were released, I guess it was over the summer last month, on the Democrat Party's donor list was more how the information was stored or how on internal discussions people referenced other groups or parties that that was the more damaging part. But that's certainly a a game changer, but it's not the same as the digital data. It's more the reputation how do you see that impacting or that changing, or is it how it's always been? Well, I mean, again, po- politics have been corrupt going back to you know Augustus Caesar, um, if not further. Um, so, so corruption and 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 uh, vote selling and influence peddling uh, isn't new because we're human beings, and that's what human beings do. I think what's changed now is there's access to so many more people digitally that if you've connected something to the internet, you know. There, there is a chance. I mean, there's various levels of security, and, and apparently some people weren't using the level of security they should, um, is that anybody can get hold of that information. Uh, similarly to the, to the episode of the 9-11 memorial, when there were only three camera crews at an event, you could pretty much know where those three cameras were pointing. We all have pretty good high-definition video cameras in our pockets right now. And if everybody has a camera, it's really hard to shield uh, information there, or an, an event that you don't want folks to see. Four years from now, eight years from now, it'll be worse because in addition to everybody on the ground having a camera, there'll be a fleet of drones overhead, all well, of which have cameras. Absolutely. And that's one of the things uh, that you've s- or I've seen in working with some of the robotics competitions is one of the previous challenges was autonomously fly a drone, pick up a thumb drive, replace it with a different thumb drive, and vacate the premises all autonomously. Mm -hmm. So there was nothing, there was no need for duct tape Mm -hmm. uh, in this case. And yes, I think that is certainly going to be one of the challenges is what happens when your coffee maker rats you out for your campaign. I mean, I can't think of a single campaign or office that cannot survive uh, without their coffee. <laughs> and, and, and you probably can't think of any campaign that can survive complete disclosure and complete transparency. Uh, if, if, if every conversation around the coffee pot is publicized, every single politician fails the test of, of credibility. 
Well, and every parent's debating how to deal with Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy, and it's uh, there's a reason some conversations should not uh, be disclosed ever, or mm-hmm. some conversations the timing is key. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's it's bigger than elections. I mean, we're we're moving into an era of you know uh, omnipresent surveillance, omnipresent ears listening. Uh, Amazon's brilliant. They're making us pay to put ears in our house uh, with Amazon Echo. So we're actually you know, paying for surveillance on ourselves. Um, and it's always listening. Uh, so we're entering an era where these devices that are connected to the Internet and connected to each other know everything about us. They, they hear what we say. The GPSs track where we are. Um, the, 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 the thumbprint payment knows what we purchase. And the social norms around this have not evolved and, and there's going to take a while. And so you're going to see more and more scandals as, uh, you know, if somebody, you know, hacks into my Apple Pay account and finds out that I bought, you know, three bottles of tequila last weekend, well, they can they can say I'm a drunk. Um, well, so and if, if you're buying champagne and cigars, so, mm-hmm. does that mean you knew the election results ahead of time? <laughs> sure. So that, that, that could be um, interpreted as like the, uh, the, the press release last night as, you know, jumping the gun a little bit. Um, so we, we haven't figured out yet how to deal with this lack of privacy, with lack of secrecy. And it's, it's, it's very nice and, and very soft and work to say, well, you just should simply, you know, never do anything to be ashamed of. And, you know, if you, <laughs> if you, if you have nothing to hide, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be scared. Um, but I guarantee anybody, if you had essentially a camera crew following you around 24-7, anybody's going to crack. Well, it's not even cracking. It's more just what, you know, being able to keep some things to yourself. And uh, one of the things when we're about to jump to a first commercial break and we come back, I'd love to get your thoughts on Yahoo and what do we do with that information that they were scanning and keeping. But you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. 
When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. I'm Lawyer Liz and chatting today with Stephen Fleming, entrepreneur, uh, catalyst, and uh, rabble rouser extraordinaire. And we're discussing what happens when everything's connected and either by the nature of political campaigns and business life in general, your secrets aren't secrets. And the big, I guess, revelation, and that's hard to say within this last 72 hours, picking the biggest or favorite, mm-hmm. but Yahoo's... I think and, Yahoo's story is huge. Uh, they scanned every single right. email. This is new. I mean, th- there have been cases in the past where law enforcement has gone to email providers and said, you know, th- this is a suspected bad guy uh, or a bad person, um, and, and I want to know what they're working on. And uh, when given the appropriate warrants, the email providers have said yes. This was different. Uh Yahoo scanned everything <laughs> for million, I mean, hundreds of million, maybe billions, I don't know, um, but certainly hundreds of millions of messages looking for certain terms um, in this very, uh, you know, cast a wide net sort of strategy, which we have not seen before. I mean, and wide and net, they filtered the entire ocean. Uh, yeah, they fil- it's, it's like they're filtering the entire ocean looking for one fish. Um, and, and that's new because. You know, we, we've already had dramatic examples uh, in politics this year of, you know, you, you shouldn't keep a server in your basement or you shouldn't keep a server in somebody's bathroom because it's you, you, you simply can't keep up with the level of security requirements uh, for all the infiltration and all, all the, the hackers that are out there. And and so, actually, I've, I've written about this recently is, you know, the safest place to keep your, your confidential information is at a Google or a Yahoo or a Microsoft because they have you know platoons of people full time maintaining security over your information. But when they're having to cooperate with the government, which is giving these orders, then there is no safe place. You can't keep it in your bathroom. You can't keep it on, on Yahoo. All you can do is print it out and put it in a lockbox and, and, and try to make sure – actually, the, the, the safe thing to do is use a typewriter uh, and, and never have it touch the Internet in the first place. I say Courier Pigeon Courier is pigeon. suddenly looking yeah, very good. Yeah, um, and uh, th- this, is, this, is, this is a really scary um, case with Yahoo because if that becomes more widespread, um, then you've essentially got – I mean, it's not, it's not even a back door. It's, it's, a, it's another front door to all of your communications, which can be used by the government. Uh, and look, I'm in favor of law enforcement. I don't, I don't want to see terrorists get away with anything. But at the same time, governments are made up of human beings, and human beings are inherently corruptible. And so if you have the, the technical capability to abuse 
piece of information. And again, the IRS, which is getting to be a year ago now, but um, the IRS proved that. It, it originally was blamed on, you know, two low-level employees in Cincinnati. It turned out to be much, much higher than that. Of course. Uh, that the IRS was targeting you know, individual conservative organizations because of the ideology of the human beings working at the IRS. Well, and part of that, too, you had stories coming out uh, over the weekend about law enforcement databases mm-hmm. and the just uh, sheer numbers of people accessing uh, officers accessing information in some cases with no malicious intent mm-hmm. part of their training instructions were look up your neighbors and friends to see mm-hmm. to test how to use the database you know how to use it and yeah. it, but at the same time it, you're looking up your neighbors and friends. you're looking at your neighbors and friends yeah. and i'm thinking my neighbors don't need to see all my speeding tickets right. mm-hmm. I, just as far as they know i am a perfect driver mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of the capabilities that are being put into place as part of the surveillance state, which we are stumbling into. Nobody ever voted for a surveillance state, um, but we're stumbling into one. Um, part of it is keeping in mind that you may design the protocols and you may design the systems with the best of intentions, um, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And as long as there's people involved and as long as they can – spy on their neighbor or stalk their ex-girlfriend or uh, or their daughter's boyfriend. Again, probably for good reasons. Uh, I had a daughter with boyfriends. Um, still, there's capabilities there which we would never want to give to our government or give to anybody, but we've done it. Well, and you bring up the interesting point of the human factor. Mm-hmm. And we've seen with Tesla's automatic updates, uh, software updates to some of their vehicles, they've uh, attempted to remove the human factor as much as possible when it's deemed a critical update. But what happens when you've removed the critical human factor or the human factor and then something goes wrong because the human wrote the code? And it so really, it sounds like what you're saying is you're ready for the rise of the machines uh, because they'll they'll be better at it than people. Well, machines will drive better than we will. Um, but the problem is if you put a bug in the code of self-driving cars, then they're all going to have that bug. Um, so you, you get you get a leverage both uh, both for good and for bad. And uh, and again, we're back to social norms. We're not ready for that. And, and that transition is is not going to happen quickly. That's going to take decades. Well, and with some of this, it seems that there's both a the downside of your information getting out there, but you can have a little fun with it, too. I mean, who's to say that the information you put there was correct? Do you see a rise in that? Coming well, up. well, that may be something that's going on now, you know, with with the election itself. To get back to the to, to that topic, uh, you know, there's lots of indication that there's lots of penetration testing going underway in lots of different voter registration databases, and it looks like it's coming from foreign parties, um, particularly it looks like it's coming from Russia and Russian satellites, um, and satellite countries, not air, not space. <laughs> that's a different that's a different conversation. Um, so, but what you would enjoy. What I would enjoy. That's a different topic. Um, so you've got you know Russian intelligence services monkey around in U.S. voter registration databases. Now, are they going to try to change the results of the election? That's going to be hard. 
are they going to try to put false information in those voter registration databases to make it look later like, well, you know, you guys couldn't run a competent election, uh, the the data's corrupt, therefore the results can't be trusted, so there'll be, be challenges and court cases. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it all winds up being nothing, but even if so, you've taken the next president, whoever he or she is, and weakened them as they're taking office because you've, you've added controversy around their election. So even if you don't change a single vote, you can do enough damage to make people have less faith in the process. Well, in doubting the process, mm-hmm. it certainly would be a good catalyst or it could be used as a tool to, well, that's why we should pick this plan or that plan. Mm-hmm. And even going beyond foreign or government uh, actors and players, you saw after the first uh, presidential debate last week that one of the most trending graphs or pictures, images on Twitter was a map purportedly showing that a hashtag Trump won originated in Russia. In St. Petersburg, right. Yeah. And uh, trends map. And uh, Having looked at this issue on the basically the underlying uh, faults or problems with digital location data and relying on that, and of course later it showed the image was false, uh, whether it was intentionally crafted by someone or just used incorrectly for whatever reason, the image was not correct. That, but a blind reliance on, well, if it was location data showing us this, well, of course location data is going to be correct. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. No, you, can, you, can, you can spoof that pretty, pretty just like spoofing caller ID now is, is trivial. You know, I, can, I can make a phone call show up on your cell phone there that the return, the return phone number is the White House. That's, that's easy to do. Um, and uh, the, 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 the tools are the tools are out there, but but back to that case of you know did the Trump one hashtag originate in Russia? It might have. We we probably will never know. But if you are let's hypothetically say an ex KGB agent who happens to be running Russia right now, um, and you you're looking at this election and going, how can I use the event of an election in the United States to advance the interests of Russia? You want destabilization, you want chaos, you want confusion, you want doubt. Um, and, and it may not even be that you want Trump to win versus Clinton winning. You, you, you probably don't care that much. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that either one of them is a, is a Russian stooge, and, and both have accused each other of that. Um, <clears throat> but you do want doubt, and you do want chaos, because you're weakening your primary adversary, which in that case is the United States. And so, sure, you can you can do all sorts of things, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's databases, whether it's with phone records, what have you. And if if you do have a preferential candidate, you can you can put a thumb on the scale to help that candidate win. If you don't have a preferred candidate, you can just encourage chaos, and that and that that serves your national interests. Well, and one of uh, John Grisham's early novels was The Pelican Brief. And looking yes, at how mm-hmm. you can, a, a simple act of, in that case, uh, the death or assassination, unbeknownst to everyone, of a Supreme Court justice mm-hmm. could really just ascend an entire 
industry and just change the course financially for some heavy hitters right. that it, it doesn't always have to be the government mm-hmm. uh, actors, but that the chaos breeds opportunities for change. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how that uh, plays out with the next debate coming up uh, Sunday, I think. Right. Yes. Yeah, so as we're the show is uh, coming to you live on a Wednesday. Yes, it. We'll have to look at because that's one of the things we're going to look at on part three of the series is bringing in Dave Kennedy, who has formerly worked with uh, Diebold and some other uh, security uh, penetration assessment testing and uh, information technology aspects of the machines that are running right. and looking at the voter rolls. I mean, when the FBI issues warnings to are we up to 20 states now that there may be evidence yeah. of mm-hmm. things going into the the voter rolls well we're chatting with Stephen Fleming on buzz off with lawyer Liz and when we come back from the commercial break we're going to take a really delve into some of the other aspects of the impact of this is technology is having on campaigns cool. but Stay tuned. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. We come to you live each Wednesday from 2 to 3, but find the podcast on America's WebRadio.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all the rest, but... Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and today we are knee-deep in the discussions of the Internet of Things and technology on campaigns and elections. And the guest today is Stephen Fleming, and Stephen and I have talked a little bit about what kind of the 
technology surveillance and the impact and the digital duct tape. It's hard to tell when a campaign's been compromised as much these days or or a political office or even your home computer. Um, and uh, for those who don't already have uh, some sort of covering on your webcams laptop, I don't know that I'd go with uh, – duct tape or post-it notes i like to pick up the plastic covers that a lot of vendors will give out uh, at things but it even made it the webcam uh, made it into this week's uh, episode of madam secretary so spoiler alert uh, a webcam gets compromised and one that you wouldn't have necessarily thought oh i should cover the webcam of this laptop that they're not a target why would anyone think and yet it does so Stephen pointed out earlier uh, compromising the coffee makers in uh, campaign offices uh, raises issues but with Donald Trump's campaign and the tax returns it wasn't necessarily a digital but that breach. was old school that was that was a Xerox machine and a stamp so uh, someone got angry and, and had access to, I think it was a 1995 tax return and photocopied a couple pages and mailed it off to the paper. So, uh, you know, this this stuff can be done without technology. Uh, it's just it's a whole lot easier when it's all digital because, again, there's no there's no fingerprints left behind. Uh, and it's it's if you if you're careful with it, it's essentially untraceable. Um, I suspect that if somebody got really uh, forensic on these uh, pieces of paper that went to the New York Times with Trump's tax returns, they could probably find fingerprints and such. But are they going to do that? I don't know. Well, it, it raises a point that what happens, I mean, it, taking that information and using it uh, for its unintended purposes, questions of whether it violated federal law, and not the newspaper necessarily for publishing it mm-hmm. as much, but is there a point to where you just throw your hands up and say, well, you broke the law, we could have causes of action against you, but let the story lie and die on its own? Or well, I, th- I think one of the interesting aspects of, of the Trump tax return story, um, I joked earlier Watergate would be over in a week, um, but I mean that story Four broke. Four days, I think, was that, your that, estimate. Yeah, that, that story broke, su- the tax return broke Sunday night, it was all, you know, this is the, 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 the silver bullet that's going to stop, stop the Trump train on Monday. By Tuesday, the counter uh, story was in full gear that, that uh, Hillary and actually the New York Times themselves had used the exact same net operating loss carryover uh, technique. Uh, and here it is Wednesday, four days later, and the story's over. Uh, no one cares. Um, that sort of velocity around a story, that's new. Uh, this this would have drug out or dragged out uh, over um, you know multiple weeks, um, even a decade ago, and now because of things like Twitter and because of things like uh, online posting, where the you know the the, uh, the Washington Post I, I just read is now posting one new piece, uh, one new story per minute throughout the day, twenty four hours a day. Uh, so they're posting fourteen hundred stories a day when it used to be you had to wait for the thing to hit your front doorstep in the morning. Um, that velocity and, and the way that the camps can respond to each other um, instantaneously, um, 
In, the, in fact, sometimes it's actually the, 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 the candidate responding before his or her staff uh, gets engaged. And, of course, uh, Trump is famous for that. Indeed. Um, uh, it, the, the, it, it increases the velocity and the, and the noise level of the campaign far beyond anything we've ever seen before. Well, and with that, do you have to start to question? I mean, you have, uh, any, as anyone can tell, I do watch a lot of TV, uh, but on HBO's Veep, one of the you know, embarrassing tweet was sent to everyone that was intended to be between two individuals, mm-hmm. and that you know the explanation was given that oh, well my account was hacked. No. Well, that was Anthony Weiner's excuse. Uh, when his, ah, I, his, I forgot. His, his first was... Which time? Which I think it was the first time. He, oh, okay. He meant to send a tweet to an individual and he typed it in wrong and it went to the world. So, oops. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and admittedly, I have hit reply all on stuff that mm-hmm. I had intended, not necessarily, but it's... And it serves as a very good reminder. Uh, do not put an email or tweet or text message what you wouldn't want Yahoo to read. But but here we are in a world where, you know, you don't want Yahoo to read it. You don't want it to be in, in Twitter's databases where it's subject to, to, a, to a law enforcement request. Um, cell phones are being hacked routinely, so you can't say it over the phone. Uh, other than meeting someone in a soundproof room, um, when can you communicate privately with someone now? It's actually... A real challenge. Well, you have to, and Ryan uh, was describing for us uh, last week the almost uh, Faraday cages on the go, Mm -hmm. that you have the mesh pouches Mm -hmm. that, I mean, with the Internet of Things, though, Mm -hmm. you really have to scan your light bulbs Mm -hmm. to make sure the light bulb hasn't been compromised. And it can't have the conversation in the car because there's the car's listening the right. car is listening and all the devices and it's not a secure so truly where do you have a conversation nothing is uh, pr- sacred anymore mm-hmm. uh, sacred space yeah and and and, and wherever and even if you go for a, you know a walk in the woods where no one's around you know each of us is carrying a high quality microphone in our pocket you've got your cell phone i've got mine and you know is it listening um, and and where does it go, and who has that? We don't know. It's scary. Well, if nothing else, like I said, courier pigeons, pen and paper, pen and paper typewriters, it, typewriters, it all become viable options, mm-hmm. I guess. Or uh, we're always encouraged with our law firm to have those communications with the client, not over email where you can, to have that human contact mm-hmm. and that personal relationship. So really, do you see that being the next kind of push? You're going to see more per- face-to-face meetings because at th- least you're making yeah. it harder. I think you're already seeing it. It's been through a couple of cycles. I mean, back during the, the Clinton administration, um, it, it turned out that pagers were a, a source of people getting information they shouldn't have. That was back before we really had ubiquitous cell phones and you know people were you know you know leaving their pagers behind um now i think you're going to start seeing meetings where um, kind of like a secure information facility with the federal government where you know you if you've ever been in one they collect your cell phones at the door uh, and you you leave them in a box i think you'll start seeing things like that you know is is a campaign going to have a, it's called a skiff scif are campaigns going to have skiffs it sounds silly but they probably should 
they probably should. Um, are, are, and away from government, are, are corporations going to have secure facilities to have conversations? They probably should. When you're talking mergers or things like that that might move the stock price. Oh, absolutely. And one of the, uh, I'd say, hacks, but exploits we've covered on the show previously was the wireless printers. And it, the company researchers demonstrated, I believe it was at Black Hat and DEF CON, to security conferences each summer. It, last year, year before, uh, so it's nothing new, but they someone jailbroke an iPhone, so that means they, they took off the factory settings or basically expanded, added on a software program that could sniff or pull these data points out of, you know, transmission over the air and added it to a drone as a payload mm-hmm. and 40 floors up a financial firm had not secured their wireless printer and so everything that went to print all of that data a copy of it put and in this case the good news was they weren't malicious researchers they were just researchers finding you know seeing what could be done mm-hmm. and didn't uh, take advantage of that information but yeah, well, there's there's an extraordinary amount of, of, of white hat research being done that, that I know you know about, um, but uh, there was some work done at Georgia Tech a while back where if you, if you leave your cell phone on the table next to your keyboard, they could actually use the sounds of your fingers hitting the keys to figure out what you were typing. Now you weren't typing on your cell phone; you were typing on your computer, which might not even be it could be a typewriter not connected to the internet. Well, then there goes your typewriter idea. Yeah, Yeah, we're back to carrier pigeons and quill pens. Um, But no, the the if if you really become a target um, now, now the the advantage is there's 320 million of us, so not everyone can can get that level of scrutiny from from uh, you know the agencies that have this sort of capability. But if any individual does, um, yeah, they can find out everything. Well, and going back to your earlier point on the noise level, mm-hmm. that how it's and not actual noise, but the digital noise. Mm-hmm. And when you're on Twitter and the Washington Post is sending out a story every minute, mm-hmm. it used to be you released damaging information Friday. Friday at 530. Right. 530. Mm-hmm. So we've seen some of that with the release of uh, news regarding for example, the 33,000 disappearing emails. You'll right. see some of those get released late in the day. And I'm picking on that point, mm-hmm. but it's well, across the board. Well, I think because it, it demonstrates old-style thinking on the part of the Clinton operation, uh, is they think if they release it at 5.30 on a Friday, then by Monday when the papers go to, go to print um, Sunday night for Monday morning's papers, that it's old news. Uh, and that's, that's kind of their hope is they can just, oh, that's old news. We're not going to talk about that. But that that sort of rhythm uh, to the news cycle has gone away. The news cycle is there isn't a cycle; it's continuous. Uh, and so they dump something at five thirty on a Friday. By six o'clock, people have read it and start posting about it, and they have the conversation all weekend long. So by or Monday, say, the news story is the reactions to it, not the news itself. Well, and a tweet at mm-hmm. three a.m. gets picked up, mm-hmm. and there's no such thing as a deleted tweet. Yes, I think back. a lot of people would like to be able to delete tweets, um, but they do come back to haunt you, yes. Well, and do you see a shift, I mean, with the EU and their uh, data privacy? Basically, if I want to be forgotten, mm-hmm. I can ping uh, Google, Facebook, mm-hmm. and have that information 
uh, taken down, but L- legally large they can, they can acquire that. But that actually was a terrible case just last month of a young woman in Italy who um, she was an idiot, and her she and her boyfriend had a sex tape, and they it got online. Um, and she used the European laws to try to have the tape removed, and they sent out all the cease and desist orders necessary. But, of course, it had jumped from those services to others, to others, to others, and it's immortal, and, and she actually wound up killing herself. Um, she, she couldn't live with the shame. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once it's out there, you can, you can send all the court orders you want, but um, it's going to be very difficult uh, to pull back that photograph or that tweet or that message that you didn't, uh, that you changed your mind about. Now, again, if you or I tweet something, we can hit delete, and the, the odds are nobody really cares. <laughs> but, but, but if you're a major candidate um, or if you're a public figure, I mean, I'm sure this happens to Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, um, someone is watching those accounts all the time and recording everything. So that, so you don't get a, they don't get a delete button. You and I get a delete button. They don't. Well, and hopefully everyone will stick around through the commercial break and not hit delete on listening to the show. But we will be right back on Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. For years, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center has been providing outstanding care to patients of all ages. They are dedicated to patient satisfaction and have been the recipient of the Georgia Otolaryngology Association Patient Satisfaction Award. They welcome any questions you may have about their services. Their practice includes treatment of asthma, allergies, sleep apnea, snoring, hearing impairments, and chronic sinus disease. Dr. Elena George is a board-certified ear, nose, and throat surgeon. Her training in New York has included training at Manhattan Eye, Ear, and Throat Hospital and Memorial Sloan. Kettering Cancer Center. She believes in practicing both the art and science of medicine. All patients are seen by Dr. George. All treatment options are discussed and time will be spent to answer all questions. Their office is located in Atlanta at 1776 Peachtree Road in Suite 260 North Tower, two blocks south of Piedmont Hospital. They are open Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. Additional details are available at www.peachtreeentcenter.com. At Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center, you can be confident that you are in good hands with their professional team this is america's webradio.com the best in chat radio designed just for you welcome back you're listening to buzz off with lawyer liz and hopefully you didn't hit the delete and as we're talking before the break on editing and why perhaps the was it country song nothing good ever happens after uh 2 a.m uh in the Twitterverse, if I tweet at 2 a.m., uh, certainly nothing good is going to happen. For it. But 
as you mentioned, and I'm sitting here today with Stephen Fleming, and Stephen noted that nobody's reading my Twitter feed at 2 a.m., or if they are, they're as bleary-eyed as I am. (laughs) They have other issues. Exactly. They have other things they should be doing. But when you're a candidate at 3 a.m., it lives on. It does, and and I think that you know one of the interesting things about what we're seeing with this election. This is the first Twitter election that where Twitter has mattered, or, or anything like doesn't have to be Twitter, but Twitter, Twitter. Interestingly enough, is getting way more attention than honestly it probably deserves because far more people are on Facebook and other services. But but you never hear about. Did you see what Hillary put on Facebook last night? It's all what Hillary put on Twitter. Well, funny, but, aren't they shopping around for um, an acquisition? May, I mean, may, maybe someone will buy Twitter that likes Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and knows how to manage Twitter. Uh, I'm available. Um, but anyhow, um, but I think we're seeing this example of when every, um, you know, um, uh, comment that you make gets this huge level of scrutiny. Well, it's taking an army of people to do that, professionals who are reporters, the other campaigns, teams, bloggers, uh, the army of uh, people in their pajamas in their basement, what have you, uh, to scrutinize everything going on and draw some conclusions. And so we can we can kind of vicariously, you know, laugh at the opponent or get offended at the, at the candidate we're supporting if there is one, um, but it doesn't mean anything in our world. What's scary about the Yahoo case last week uh, is that that sort of scrutiny for the first time is being applied to us, and so there's not enough spies, not enough adversaries, human adversaries in the world to treat you and I like Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. No one's going to scrutinize our online activities to that level. Oh, but we are so but fascinating. We are fascinating, especially you. But but the truth is they probably aren't paying that much attention. No. But Moore's Law means inevitably that if you start putting these tools out there where computers are the ones providing the attention, yes, we can all be scrutinized 24-7, 365. Um, and anything we do that steps out of line will get flagged for a human to do something with it. That's new. We, we've never had to think about that before because there's, there's this concept in security of, uh, of you, know, um, uh, you know, security through anonymity. There's, there's so many of us that they can't look at all of us well, all the time. It's the noise level. It's the noise level. Well, what if they can actually look at everybody all the time using computers? And, and Moore's Law means that computers are, are becoming much cheaper every year. Um, and you automate that surveillance function, which – example from a different world um, you go into a big building you'll have these walls of security cameras you know dozens of cameras looking at all aspects of the building and one guard sitting there eating potato chips and kind of you know blurring out not paying much attention there's now software that can monitor all of those cameras and look for the camera in which something interesting is happening and focus on that one well and it's something interesting that's happening today under today's definition of what's interesting but mm-hmm. i thought it was fascinating to read and didn't hear much about this but with the debate prep mm-hmm. one of the rumors and not being i'm not active with either campaign so mm-hmm. certainly not in in our circle but one of the rumors was that the trump campaign was analyzing every debate mm-hmm. and ta- but not analyzing from a human standpoint but having the data run through software, mm-hmm. analytics, and machine learning to figure out what were her tells. Mm-hmm. And like in poker. Exactly. And to think that a debate or a speech you may have given 
20, 30 years ago is now getting picked up not for its content, not for the message you were giving, but to find your poker tells. I don't know what I'm going to be doing 20 years from now, but uh, I'm glad to contribute the Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz uh, radio shows to that analytics and have that impact. I mean, what do you do then? And, and there's there's interesting things people run against the the audio and the video of you know counting the number of times a candidate is blinking during a particular statement um, because the more often you blink the the less confident you are of your source material and potentially you're oh dear. May, may be lying. Um, Heavens forbid so, your heaven, contacts have an uh, issue if, that if, night. If, yes, Suddenly if, 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 you, if you forgot your contact lens solution, sorry, you're toast. Uh, or you know, other patterns of speech. You know, there's there's people who claim they can do lie detection through the, the frequencies of your speech compared to a baseline. And so you're putting all this information out there. And again, you're putting it out there for potential adversaries that in the case of something as high stakes as a presidential campaign, um, they're very smart people. They're very well funded. They have lots of resources. Uh, and they're able to attack on, on anything at any time. And so... The, the 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 only way to win a game like that is not to play and and to you know to run a campaign where you disappear and just you know send out uh, uh, prefab messages which you know one of our candidates tried to do that for a while it didn't work that well but the the, the level of scrutiny that again Moore's law enables of of you know analyzing your your voice stress or analyzing your your poker tells as you, as you as you put it. Um, is again something new. I mean, some people have an instinct for that. I mean, I, th- I think Bill Clinton absolutely has an instinct for that when dealing with other people. He can he can watch other people and know what messages are resonating and just just adjust on the fly. He's brilliant that way. Um, but actually putting that in a box and automating it so that everyone could have that level of analysis that's new. And we don't know how to deal with the the, the, the digitally empowered candidacies that way. Well, and. It doesn't. It's. Gonna, I think we still have a little while before it becomes fluid and natural enough, mm-hmm. so that just because you have the information or have access to it, being able to leverage it, I don't think has become quite. That it, hasn't been polished and perfected yet. It, it's not yet real time. Um, you know that that will change over time. Um, so you know, at what point do we allow our candidates to wear Google glasses? Uh, when they're debating, or Snapchat glasses, uh, oh, the Snapchat glasses. But I'm thinking more of the uh, more of the uh, getting a screen where you can actually get information fed to you. So you're at the podium, but you've got a team of you know 12 bright young things analyzing everything going on and sending you information either through an earpiece or an eyepiece. You know while you're on the debate. And I mean, I I know a guy who wears Google Glass, and he's smarter than us because when he's having a conversation, he's making eye contact. But he's also got his hand in his, in his pocket keyboard. He's he's Googling information while we're talking. So with that kind of immediate uh, feed, mm-hmm. I think it circles back to something we had talked about before is the misinformation, mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have time to sift through mm-hmm. all of that. And so some of the campaign uh, old school playbooks of, well, you know, miss or planting data points that perhaps aren't accurate, but have just enough a ring of a truth to next thing you know, you're, well, tell me about the time, you know, you were doing naughty things with a get, well, what? 
Uh, no. There's been a couple of cases in the last couple of days. I mean, when, when Giuliani was accused of saying, do you want a, do you want a man who's done something, 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 uh, or a woman, period. Well, it turns out he actually said, or do you want a woman who has done something, 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 something. So he's trying to make a comparison between the two candidates. But you, you, you punctuate that sentence and you break it off, and it sounds like something misogynistic or something that's, that's just terrible. Um, same thing with the, uh, the CNN feed up in um, Milwaukee, where there was the woman who was accused of saying, you know, um, you know, we don't want this violence in our neighborhoods, you know, we don't want this here, and they cut the feed off. Well, the next sentence was, you know, we want this violence in the suburbs. Let's go burn the suburbs down. <laughs> well, CNN didn't show that sentence. So, so they showed accurate information. They showed, they showed legitimate video. But the choice of the framing can completely change the message. So it's a, it sounds like a reminder for it, both listeners of the show, but also just in general, go to a second source, go to a third, dig a little deeper before you run with it, mm-hmm. say. And, and, and again, the speed has made it so difficult for, e- for even seasoned, experienced journalists to wait a bit. It used to be, you know, Newsweek came out once a week. That's the, the name. So... You had a week to, you know, get a second source, get a third source, you know, interview somebody, you know, personally, you know, with a phone call rather than an exchange of tweets. Get it right, and then once a week you press the big red publish button and it goes off to a printer. Um, Now you're under such pressure to get something out there right this instant, so you get this immediate hot take, which may be wrong. Um, but there's there's a famous old Mark Twain quote, uh, you know, a lie can make it around the world before the truth gets its boots on. And so, and so the, the misinformation spreads, and again, it never goes away. You, you still have people quoting misinformation years later when it was debunked the next day, but that perception is still there. Well, and it as you pointed out, this is the Twitter election. Mm-hmm. And campaign season. And so thank you to my guest, Stephen Fleming, for joining Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio and looking at the impact of when information from the Internet of Things, all of our connected devices, moves so quickly. And join us next time for a look at the actual voting machines and elections. You're listening to Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. This is America's Web Radio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.